Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is a single verse from today's gospel, John chapter 3, verse 16, the most famous Bible passage in the world. And we'll hear it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the word of our God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. It's easy to get used to amazing things so that they just don't really seem all that amazing to us anymore. And I'll give you a couple of examples. First, your smartphone. Do you realize that that little device that you carry around in your pocket has a computer processor that is millions of times faster than the computers NASA used in the 1960s? Computers they used, by the way, to put a man on the moon and return him safely to the Earth. We've got all that computing power in our pockets, and we can use those things to send texts and connect to social media and keep records and do research and read books and play music and take photos. They're pretty amazing devices. But we tend to take them for granted because we've used them for quite a while now. And in fact, we get tired of the ones that we have and we have to get a new one every couple of years or so. Another example, powered flight. In January, I and several of your brothers and sisters in Christ boarded a 747 bound for Israel. Have you ever seen a 747 They're ridiculously huge. A fully loaded 747 weighs about 850,000 pounds. That's 425 tons. Depending on how the seating is configured, a 747 can carry about 600 passengers along with the crew, along with food and supplies, and all the fuel needed to get to their destination. And I want you to keep this in mind very carefully. This gigantic thing flies, and it flies at almost 600 miles an hour to a range of just over 8,000 miles. So, of course, when people get on this behemoth, they strap into their seats and they hang on to the armrest and they smile and giggle with glee as it powers into the sky, right? Because it's just so amazing. No, most people take a nap or watch a movie or read a book or something like that because 747, this is just old, boring technology. Let me give you one more example. The gospel. You know it's true. Admit it. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the most unique, the most powerful message in the entire world. It's filled with the power of Almighty God himself to change hearts and lives and eternities. It is without question the most powerful force in the universe. In spite of that, my friends, even from Christians like you and me, Sometimes the gospel elicits nothing but yawns because we've been there. We've heard that. This is not right. This is not good. This has to change. And my friends, the only thing that can change our often not-so-excited reaction to the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel itself. 
Let's be amazed again, my friends, on the basis of God's Word, on the basis of the most beloved passage of the Bible. I want to share with you once again the amazing grace of our God. So let's begin with the context. It's nighttime, and Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a Pharisee, which means he had quite an education. He was part of the religious elite. He had basically a Ph.D. level education, and he was supposed to teach others about the true way to salvation. But this man didn't even know the basic ABCs and 123s of how to get to heaven. Jesus called him out on this. He said, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? No, he really didn't. And so Jesus explained it to him. The heart and core of what Jesus taught him is summarized in the portion of God's word before us. God so loved the world. My friends, today we're going to take a walk through those verses, word by word, phrase by phrase. And we're going to chew on those words and phrases a little bit this morning to understand them better. God so loved the world. Isn't it amazing that God loves the entire world? Isn't it amazing that God loves this world as ugly as it often is? You know, St. John in his gospel and his epistles, he often talked about the world. And what he had to write was not very complimentary. He says that the world prefers the darkness of sin and unbelief to the light and life that is found only in Christ. He tells us that the world by and large rejects Christ as Lord and Savior. He says that the world is filled with every kind of deceit. He says the world hates those who belong to Christ. This is what he wrote in his first epistle. He said, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You see that the sinful world is corrupted to the core. And by the way, before you begin to say, yeah, pastor, that's right, this world really is an awful, ugly place. Remember that you are a part of it, and so am I. By nature, we prefer darkness to the light. By nature, we have in us no love for Christ, no devotion to his cause. By nature, our hearts are too filled with the foulness that we see all around us in the world. You know, Shakespeare wrote, there's something rotten in Denmark. Well, if he was talking about the human heart, then he hit the nail on the head. Well, this rotten world and us rotten sinners, God loves He loves us all. But talk is cheap. The world throws around that word love all the time, right? And doesn't mean the same thing that God means by the word love. To the world, love is like a toy. It's like a plaything. To the world, love is, a, is an emotion, just a sentiment, and, and maybe even just a cheap physical thrill. When the world thinks of love, it thinks of things like Fifty Shades of Grey and The Bachelor and The Bachelorette or whatever popular love song is being played on the radio. And if it's not sentiment that the world is concentrating on, then it's sex. Pornography is a hugely profitable business in our world to the tune of like $15 billion last year. Our understanding of love often isn't all that much better, is it? Because we say the right things, but we don't always follow through in love. We say that we love God's Word, but often don't pick up our personal Bibles. 
We say that we love our fellow man, but too often won't lift a finger to help someone in need, won't waste our breath to share the gospel with a lost soul. We say that we love our friends and our neighbors and our family, but we often turn our backs on them or stab them in theirs. It's astounding how often it happens that we hurt those that we say we love the most. God's love is unique. God's love is different. How much did he love the world? So much that he gave. You see, God's love is not just an emotion or a self-serving sentiment. God's love is not just mere words or empty phrases. God's love is an action and a selfless action. God gave. Just exactly what did he give? Well, God, of course, is the giver of, of all good and perfect gifts. They come down from him. They come down from above. He gives us so many good things, so many blessings in our lives. He's given us this beautiful world. In spite of the fall into sin, the world still remains beautiful in many ways. It's a beautiful world of, of light and color and music. In this world, he gives us everything that we need to sustain our bodies, our daily bread, and much more on top of just our daily bread. You know, I've often found it kind of amazing that God takes something that we have to do to survive, which is eat, right? We have to eat to survive. But he takes it and he makes it something so varied and so wonderful and so, so, so fulfilling and so fun. Think of that the next time you smell some freshly baked bread or you bite into a medium rare steak or you sip a, a nice Cabernet. God gives us all the people in our lives. Think of how empty life would be without the people that we love and the people who love us. God simply showers us with blessings. And my friends, that's amazing considering what we really deserve from his hand. It's amazing that he gives us all these wonderful gifts. But my friends, all those gifts I just described to you are nothing. They are nothing compared to the gift, the one that our Lord Jesus talks about in our text. In fact, this gift is so big, it's so grand, it's so gigantic that it just really can't fit into our heads and into our hearts. Listen to what God says he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God gave his one and only son for us. God's love for us is so great, so complete, so mind-blowingly, over-the-top amazing that he gave us what is most precious in the entire universe, his one and only son, to a world that hates him, to a world that's more than happy to just sink right down into the eternal abyss. God gave his one and only son. My friends, how can we hear that and not be left with our mouths hanging open in amazement? And why did he give his son? Did he give him as the judge who came down to finally give us what we really deserve? Did he give him as the self-help guru who teaches us how to lose weight and be happy and make millions? Did he give Jesus as the perfect example who shows us how we too can, by our works, earn our place at the Father's table? No, no, and no. A thousand times no. He sent Jesus into this world with one purpose and one purpose only, to save sinners. 
That's what Jesus himself said. He said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul said the same thing. He said, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's exactly what God's one and only Son did. He did everything necessary to make our salvation not just a possibility, but a reality. First of all, He supplied what is lacking in us, what the Holy Father demands of us, that perfection and righteousness He demands, which we cannot give Him even for a moment. Our Lord Jesus provided that by resisting every temptation, by living perfectly in our place, by fulfilling the whole law, by loving both God and neighbor flawlessly. And then the one who gave what was lacking in us took away from us what we had in abundance, the sin that clings to us like filthy rags. Jesus dressed himself in those filthy rags, and he carried them. He carried our guilt to the cross. And the Son of God, God and man in one person, poured out precious and priceless blood that pays for all of it. By his wounds we are healed. And my friends, we know that all this worked. We know that God the Father accepts that perfect life and that sacrificial death because three days after he died, just as he always said, just as he promised, our Lord Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Jesus lives, and so our victory is won. And keep in mind, Jesus did all of this for a world of hell-deserving sinners prompted by nothing that he saw in us, prompted only by the perfect love that is in his heart, Jesus saved us. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Don't you just find that astounding? Doesn't that leave you amazed? My friends, prepare to be amazed further. Listen to this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That little word, whoever, is so beautiful, so full of comfort for us sinners. The original text actually says all, all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. But the thought behind whoever is exactly the same. Go back for a second to the word world. It's an important word in our text. Are you a part of the world? Yes, you are, which means that Jesus loves you. That means God sent his son to save you. You see, God didn't send Jesus to save the the deserving, the worthy, the sinless, the righteous, because those people don't exist. He sent Jesus for a world full of sinners. He sent him for you and me. But in case you missed it, in case you missed it in the word world, we have this little word, whoever. All who believe in him. You're having a party, backyard barbecue, and a buddy of yours says, Hey, who was all invited over to your house tonight? And you tell him, Ah, whoever. And what you mean by that is that your friend is coming, and he can certainly bring a friend or two of his along if he'd like to. That'd be just fine. But you don't really mean whoever. You don't mean for him to bring the dregs of society. You don't mean for him to bring the drug addicts and the prisoners and all those kind of people. You don't want them at your party. God does. 
When he says whoever, when he says he wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, he means it. My friends, let there be no doubt about it. God loves you. God sent Jesus to save you. Jesus laid down his life and rose again for you and even for me. The entire world, all people, are invited to believe this and be saved. No conditions, no small print, no strings attached, no asterisk. Jesus lived and died and rose again for you. Believe it and live. And what do you receive when you believe? Listen. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The eternal death that we so richly deserve is gone. Hell is no longer part of the picture. All that remains for believers in Jesus is eternal life. Life that never ends. Life to the full. Life the way God always intended it to be. Life of perfect peace and joy that extends and continues forever and ever. And what do we have to do to get such a life? Absolutely nothing. It's not by works. It is God's free gift to us in Jesus Christ that is received by faith. Isn't that simply amazing? My friends, this is the gospel. Never tire of hearing this message. Study it, read it, hear it, learn it, memorize it, inwardly digest it, take it to heart, live it, breathe it, rejoice in it, revel in it. Never take it for granted. This truth is everything. This truth is your life now and forever. Hear it again, my friends, and be amazed. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Simply amazing. Amen.